Hey, it's Melissa here, the host of the Filled with Gold Widow podcast. I've had an amazing time doing this podcast, and I'm so grateful for all of you who have listened and supported me along the way. As you might know, I've been working on a new podcast with my two widow besties, Kim Murray and Jen Zwink, called the Widow Squad Podcast. And I've made the decision to focus all my energy on it. The Widow Squad Podcast is a show that provides a space where widows can come together share stories, and find comfort in knowing they're not alone. It's a show we're really passionate about and hope that you'll give it a listen. If you've enjoyed Filled with Gold, I know you'll love the Widow Squad podcast. It's the same kind of honest, heartfelt, and sometimes funny conversations that you've come to expect from me. But it's also a show that will give you a deeper understanding of what it means to be a widow. So if you're ready for a new podcast, I hope you'll check out the Widow Squad podcast. You can find it on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're not ready to say goodbye to the Filled with Gold Widow podcast, you can always go back and listen to all the old episodes. Whether you're a recent widow or have been on this journey for a while, we're here to support and empower each other. So come join us. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you on the Widow Squad podcast. You're listening to the Filled with Gold Widow podcast the show that puts you in touch with expert resources to support you in moving forward after the death of your spouse and life partner. I'm your host, Melissa Pierce. Let's dig in. On today's Filled with Gold Widow podcast, we're chatting with Kelly Covert. Kelly is an author, speaker, and inner voice coach with a passion for helping women listen to their inner voice and own their worthiness. Through her intuitive, heart-centered approach, She teaches how to create kinder habits that allow growth and transformation while cultivating personal enoughness every day. She helps women step into their enoughness, own their imperfections with grace, and embody their innate worthiness each and every day. She is the creator and host of In Her Voice, a podcast for women who want to live a fulfilling life of purpose guided by their inner voice. She is also the author of The Enoughness Planner and Give Yourself Permission, a pocket-sized notebook of permission slips. Welcome to the show, Kelly. It's really great that you're here. Thank you so much, Melissa. I am so excited to be here with you today. Awesome. Well, let's get started. Um, Can you share a little bit of of your story of how you got to do the work that you do for the world? Mm -hmm. It's... um... It's long, like, you know, all of our journeys are long and sometimes surprising. I actually was telling you before we started that my career is as a professional musician. So I have, you know, two degrees in flute performance, which, you know, really made my mom very nervous that I was never going to make any money. And I do still um, perform as a professional musician in an orchestra and, um, one thing that I know for sure, as I look throughout all of the many jobs and positions that I've held and things that I've done, is that I see a through line. And that through line always is whether I'm teaching flute, whether I'm, you know, coaching triathlon, which I did for a time, whether I'm teaching private lessons, or whether I'm coaching, or even writing and speaking, the through line for me is, let's get to the good stuff where you understand that you're enough right now and that that believing that and that honoring that allows all of the rest to not matter as much so you can just really be you and you can really achieve in a way that feels 
not like striving, but just like being who you were meant to be. And, you know, my work, I think, really touches people who are perfectionists and chronic overachievers. And um, I count myself in those groups. <laughs> you know, you teach what you need to learn, so to speak. And, um, you know, it, for me, it's been this journey through my life of seeing other people's worthiness at the same time that I'm diving into my own. And um, I just, everything that I do always centers back to that. Well, let's talk about enoughness. You teach what you need to learn. So what, what got you to where you're like, I need to dig into this really hard. Yeah, I, you know, I've always been sort of like a, a go-getter overachiever. You know, if I got a 97 on a quiz or a test, I would be like, um, excuse me, what, where are my three points? Why did I, why did I not get a 100? Um, I was always really hard on myself and I, for a time, and I think most perfectionists and overachievers can, can recognize this, that for a time that works and that's rewarded. I mean, we really live in a world that applauds people who go the extra mile and um, who wear themselves down into the ground to be anything and everything that they think that they need to be or that they should be. And it worked for me for a really long time. And then I had a kid (laughs) and it didn't work anymore. Um, you know, when I became a parent, all of a sudden, all of the tools that I had used to be quote unquote successful at the things that I wanted to be successful at literally did not work anymore because kids are their own people. You know, you can't make them and mold them into what you want them to be, uh, despite what some people might say. And my oldest is actually on the spectrum. And so that was doubly true when, um, you know, when you're working with a kid that has special needs in parenting a child that is not what you expect. And um, it was a real process for me of learning how to allow him to show me how he needed to be parented and to let go of all of the beliefs of what I thought parenting should look like and what I thought being a good parent meant Um, because that was just all these, you know, false beliefs that I had been taught or that I had seen or that I had, you know, watch acted out over and over again, and they weren't working for me. And on top of that, not only were they weren't working, I just felt like I was a failure. I felt like I was failing as a mom. You know, the one thing that as a woman, I feel like we are taught that it just comes naturally. You're just going to be really good at it. You'll figure it out. It wasn't working. And it wasn't until I really came to this point of understanding that I had to love myself the way I love my child without condition, you know, with all of the things all of the things, not just the good parts, but all of the things. I had to love myself so completely and so fully. And I was never going to feel like I was enough until I did that. It wasn't the doing that brings enough. It wasn't like the reading the parenting books or whatever, doing crafts or you name it, all of the things. And this can apply in any area, not just parenting. What really gets us to owning our enoughness is believing that we are enough without 
a single extra thing without another certificate, without another accomplishment, wherever our bank account stands, you know, without a job promotion, we in of ourselves are enough today and every day. And for me, that is a practice. It's not a lesson, a lesson. I feel like you learn it and you're done. (laughs) It's a practice for me over and over and over again. And now it's a practice that I share with uh, my clients and my friends and my family, because it's, it's really, really important that we know the doing is not what's going to make us feel the way we want to feel. I find this interesting because I am a perfectionist and also have a lot of like control issues. And I think that I would say probably every widow has some kind of control issues because something really out of control happened. Yeah. And we want to manage it or manage Mm -hmm. the things around that we think we have control over. But I love the, the loving yourself without condition. Yeah. And when you're saying that, I'm like, okay, I want five steps to do that. (laughs) And I want some homework and I want to get this done. And so that's, but that's not how this works. Right. (laughs) Well, there might be five steps, but the, the good news is there might be five steps. The bad news is that you're going to have to do those five steps over and over and over and over again, continuously from now until you're done. Yeah. And by done, I mean done with this life, because I really believe that it's part of our spiritual practice to remind ourselves. The good news too is that it does get easier. Mm-hmm. I think it's really, really hard at the beginning if you're coming from a place of accomplishment equals success, accomplishment equals who I am. Like our dent our identity becomes part of what we do instead of who we are. And I imagine. I am not a widow, but I imagine for widows, that identity piece is a really hard thing too, because am I a wife now? Mm -hmm. You know, am I a spouse? How does it work now? Like the identity piece changes and the enoughness does not come from that. It comes from like deep inside our soul, that part of us that is true and real and forever. That's where the enoughness is. So, yeah, I think I wish it could be done. <laughs> I, I wish do it could too. be one and done. <laughs> it would be easier, but would it be as um, fulfilling? I'm not sure. You know, maybe not. I have to, fi- I'm an optimist, so I have to find the bright side. Yes. And I, I, I kind of kid because I know this about myself. And so sure. I, I, but, yeah. You know. Well, you know, it's th- that's the that's the mode I went into with parenting. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, all I need to do is read a- enough books and I'm going to figure this out. And it just doesn't work like that. And I'm all for reading books. I'm all for listening to podcasts like like what we do. I have a podcast. You have a podcast. And I tell everyone who listens, you can listen to this all day long. But if you're not putting what you learn into practice, it's not going to change you. You know, we really have to be dedicated to the practice of enoughness, to the practice of self-care, to the practice of like nurturing our spiritual and emotional self in order to feel what we want to feel. The doing part, you know, listening to podcasts, reading books, it's good. It's not going to cut it, I don't think. Yeah, there's there's personal work to do, That's decisions right. to make, choices mm-hmm. to make. 
And with widowhood, with a with a tragic death of a spouse, you're right, the identity, you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out what is my new identity. And the hit to your self-confidence is enormous. You know, you're imagine. at your lowest low, your lowest low. So to rebuild your life, it's great that there's tools out there and resources like what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I totally struggled. And a lot of my friends struggle with feeling enough, like enoughness. If you could kind of go into that word, enoughness, mm-hmm. what does that mean to you? For me, enoughness is about knowing that I am right this minute. I am enough. I don't have to do a single thing. I don't have to be anybody different. I don't have to change. I don't have to look different. I am enough today. And it's, it's more to me, it's a, it's like a feeling and a state of being that says to me, I don't have to try to prove to anybody that I'm enough. And you know, when, when we're talking about enoughness, what's really interesting when I first started really digging into this idea of enoughness, I think a lot of us, when we start, we want to be good enough for other people. That's what we think we're doing. We're trying to show someone that we're good enough. We're trying to prove, you know, like I can do this. I've got this. I'm good enough for you. This, this can come up in romantic relationships. It can come up in working relationships. You know, it it can come up a lot in family, like parent, parent child relationships, you know, this, this feeling that I have to prove myself. But when you really start to dig in, what I found to be true for myself is I didn't believe that I was good enough. It wasn't really what anybody else thought. It was what I thought. And until I can get to that place where I say, today I am good enough and tomorrow I am good enough. And the next day, that's when the rest becomes a lot easier and you can set aside the need to feel like you have to prove, prove to yourself, prove to others all of the time. And for me, what happens, and I think for a lot of perfectionists and chronic overachievers, type A people, we just, we will prove, (laughs) prove ourselves right into the ground, you know, and then we're exhausted and we're irritable and we don't feel good. And it's this vicious cycle of um not feeling good enough and then feeling guilty that you feel crappy and then you know we wonder why we can't get out of that hole it's really really terrible yeah a lot of um our widowed listeners are solo parents as well so they're taking on the role and i and i did as well of two parents so Mm -hmm. i'm just one person now i'm two parents and I don't feel like I'm doing a good job at either of them. So there's all this negative self-talk, like mm-hmm. I'm not a good enough, you know, dad, mom, second parent, whatever. I can't do all this. I'm failing my kid. All this nonsense that's yep. going on. Talk about the inner voice because you're an inner voice coach. Mm. How do we stop that merry-go-round? I don't think of it as stopping the merry-go-round. I call that the inner critic, the inner mean girl. Sometimes I refer to her as. Um, We've lived a lifetime with her, and she's really good at beating us up 
been making us feel crappy about what we're doing or what we're not doing or how we're doing anything. And I think that the, the challenge when it comes to the inner voice is not turning that off. It's turning your true inner voice up, really getting tuned in to the true inner voice, that inner voice of wisdom that will tell you, you are worthy of love. You belong here. You belong to me. And by me, I mean yourself. You are enough. You are worthy. And that inner voice for me is the key. If I can turn that up, I can start to detach from the inner critic. She doesn't go away. She's still there. But I can now sort of take a step back and say, oh, that's my inner critic. I don't have to listen to her. And that's the cool thing about thoughts, right? Like we have a gazillion thoughts a day. That's a very precise number, I realize. But we have a lot of thoughts every single day. And that's because our brain is like a toddler and it will just produce all of these thoughts. We are not our thoughts. We get to choose which ones we take on and which ones we set aside. And I think when we start to get really curious about why some of those are coming up and start to explore different ways to turn up our own inner voice, that helps. And, you know, when I talk about turning up your own inner voice, you're like, okay, well, I don't have a knob. Well, no. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> For me, you know, it's about getting still. It's about being quiet. I like to journal. Um, for some people, it's meditating. For some people, it's going for a walk. It rarely involves anybody else. Like it's really about myself. I need to be by myself. I need to be quiet and I need to be willing to ask the questions that I want real answers to. And that is the powerful practice of getting connected to your inner voice. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. So at first it's hard. I think especially, you know, for people who are diving into a practice that, that feels out of their comfort zone, like journaling, for example, you know, people feel like they have, it has to be beautiful. Like it, it's a performance almost like I need to journal and I want to be able to go back and read it and have it be meaningful. No, sometimes you just need to get the stuff out. And then you need to be willing to ask yourself the questions, questions like, what do I need to hear today? And if you're really tuned into that inner voice, it's never going to be, well, you need to do more work or, you know, you sucked yesterday or whatever the thing is that your inner critic will say to you, you you're failing as a parent. You need to step it up. You need to do more. You need to get your kids in more activities, right? Your inner voice is that voice of wisdom that will always guide you. And when we're connected to that and we're living by that, everything feels better because it's, you know, it, I feel like this is a little, I can't think of the words you're going to know when I say it, but like, I feel like you're living from the inside out. Like mm -hmm. you're not just reacting to the outside in you're sort of like going inward and then deciding. And to me, that makes everything easier. Well, and when, as you're explaining it, I'm just thinking of just solid. You're solid. You yes. can handle whatever comes your way, mm -hmm. whatever the outside throws at you. If you are really tapped into this inner wisdom, 
and trust it, then you're solid. You That's can right. handle anything. Yeah. And I think I imagine for someone who's going through a really big life change, like a widow does, and this is true for parenting, it's true in any sort of new relationship or the ending of a relationship, we have to make really challenging decisions. And those decisions are often life-changing decisions. You know, they're not small, like, what am I going to eat for lunch today? They're big decisions. And we, if, if you have practiced enough listening to your inner voice for the small decisions, then you can trust it for those big ones. You know what a yes feels like in your body and you know what a no feels like in your body. And you also know what it feels like when you say yes and you should say no. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that feeling of like, oh, okay, I'll say yes, but you don't really want to. When we start to honor what our body is telling us, what our inner wisdom is telling us for all of the things, like what we're having for lunch today, <laughs> it gets easier when we have to make the huge decisions. Like, what am I gonna do? about college for my kid or where am i going to live or should i sell the house or should i stay all of these really big decisions become easier when we know how to trust ourselves yeah i'm listening to our bodies for me self-care was huge because my body was reacting in a negative way to all the stress that i was mm -hmm. under and it was i didn't feel like i was a good parent I was felt like I was having a nervous breakdown. I'm sure a lot of our listeners can yeah, that resonates with them. But to, I got to a point where it's like, hard stop. If I don't take care of myself, this whole thing is crashing and burning. Mm -hmm. And, and really, it was it was my kids that was really what saved me. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I'm like, okay, I need to put myself ahead. I need to put myself first. Ooh, this feels weird. Yeah. That that feels really selfish, but I'm I'm in charge of everything right now. I'm in charge of all the decisions for our family, and I need to take care of myself. So that that was huge, and I did I did all kind of not crazy things, but things that were not kind of natural to how I lived my life before. And at that point, I was able to really hear and feel in my body. I would get goosebumps. That was the mm. when I was making decisions. If I got goosebumps, I knew I was going in the right direction. So mm -hmm. I was really was in my stomach. I mean, yeah. it was really kind of my stomach and my body was reacting, but it was this kind of, it, it wasn't something that I read about. It was just something that I kind of knew. And then I also sought out folks who could help me tune into my body. I so, love that you said yeah. that because, you know, you were talking about how important it is to pour into yourself so it doesn't all come crashing down and you don't have to do that all by yourself right. and i think asking for help when you're feeling that way is so important you know and that can, that help can come from friends it can come from coaches it can come from mentors it can you know it can come from a variety of places but i think some women feel like i should be i should and that word, geez, mm -hmm. right? That'll get you every time. But I should be able to do it on my own. I should be able to figure this out. I should, I should, I should. And you know what? 
for me, whenever I start saying should, that's my red flag. Okay, wait a minute. Where, what, what sort of mentality am I getting into when I think I should have all of this figured out? How can I step back from that and ask myself questions that will get the answers that I need? And a question that could be really helpful at a time like that is, what kind of help do I need? Yeah, it's kind of knowing the the question to ask That's right. That's right. And that's where I think working with a coach can really be helpful because they're going to ask those powerful questions and they're going to teach you how to figure out those questions. Because to me, that's the key. If I can ask the right question to my inner voice, I can always find the answer. Mm -hmm. But if I'm asking the wrong questions, it's harder. If I ask questions like, why am I failing? You know, that's not going to give me the answer that I want. (laughs) Right. Oh, wow. So tell tell us about, you have two books. Mm -hmm. So tell us about the um, Enoughness Planner and give yourself permission. Mm. Well, both of these books are tools to help people cultivate their enoughness and listen to their inner voice. And um, I realized this was last year before I wrote the Enoughness Planner, I realized that I had sort of a system, like a, a journaling thing that I was doing. And I had been doing this every day for years. And I started to see how that was helping me really own who I was and remind myself of my worthiness every day. And so I developed this, it's sort of like a monthly, like little hour of journaling that the Enoughness Planner takes you through. And it's about getting really still, number one. So it's a good practice of that. And number two, um, getting clear on what you want, how you want to feel, what you want in your life, your desires. And that's sometimes hard for women because we feel like desires are selfish, (laughs) Um, but what I have found about um, kinder habits, which are the things like self-care that really support our enoughness, is th- the easiest way to keep with habits that we know support us are to tie them to what we want, not to a should, <laughs> not to any sort of external reason. It has to be from an internal reason. So to get clear on those desires and there's some beautiful journaling prompts in there. And then from the desires, you can create habits that will support those desires. And this is like, not like 15 habits. It's like three or four habits that you focus on for the month. And that could be as simple as doing gratitude every single day. It could be, you know, moving your body 10 minutes a day. Um, whatever it is that your inner voice tells you is going to work. And all of this is that practice of listening to your inner voice. So uh, the Enoughness Planner has a little habit tracker that you can use for a month to sort of track your kinder habits. And then it has daily pages um, where each day you write what I call a worthiness reminder. And these are I am or I have statements that remind you of who you are. I am a powerful woman. I honor my energy and my flow. That's one that I have used all year long because that's something that I set an intention for. And, you know, when I'm writing these every day, I'm reminding myself of who I am. 
from the inside out. And then it also has a little spot for gratitude every day. And then it also has a little spot to list the things that you're proud of yourself for. And I found that that practice alone was huge for me because it could be a tiny thing or it could be a big thing, but it really matters to say to yourself, I'm proud of you. You are enough today. And then the last component of the enoughness planner were permission slips, which is something that I've always used. I love writing myself permission slips. And so um, I have some sprinkled throughout and some blank ones in the back. But this year I was thinking, like, wouldn't it be fun if, if there was just a little book that was all permission slips that was like super easy to use and you could just write them up real quick and tear them out and use them. And so, um, out of that came my little pocket permission slip journal called give yourself permission and um, the first one i've made just one but i'm going to make more the first one is all about self-care and compassion mm -hmm. so it has about 30 pre-written permission slips and let's, i have it here next to me I'll yeah so i was going to ask you give us an example so um i give myself permission to choose ease that's a really good one mm -hmm. like Whenever I um, read through these, I'm like, oh, I need that one today. I give myself permission to stop. I give myself permission to change my beliefs. I give myself permission to be grateful for everything that has happened to me. I give myself permission to want what I want. That's a huge one. That is huge. For women. And yes. that's an act of self-care giving yourself permission to want what you want. That is an act of self-care. I think sometimes we get, we get in this place where we think self-care is like all about like masks and a bath. And that's mm -hmm. great. You know, put, put a face mask on and take a bath and have a glass of wine. Yes. And give yourself permission to change your mind. Yes. Uh, permission slips. So yeah. powerful. And so these are really easy. And then there are blank ones in the back too. So once you get into the practice, of using the pre-written ones, it becomes easier to give yourself permission for things that you need in the moment. So you just, you know, write it down, you sign it, you date it, and you tear it out and you put it in your pocket or you tape it up on your mirror wherever you need it. And it's really about setting the intention for yourself to do something that feels out of your comfort zone. It's, I don't need to give myself permission to, you know, I don't know, go pick my kid up from school. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm going to do that. That's something I do every day. I do need to give myself permission for things that make me feel uncomfortable, but are really, truly what I know that I need because my inner voice told me that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I talk about permission slips a lot because I felt like I gave myself, I didn't have physical permission slips, mm -hmm. but I gave myself permission to nourish and care for myself. And that's how I was able to rebuild my life and my family's life and make yeah. big, huge, uncomfortable decisions. But I did it because I gave myself permission to read the book, go to the lecture, go to the class, hire the coach, go to therapy, you know, all the, all the things. Well, and you know, you're exactly right that you don't, someone would say to me, well, like, couldn't I just write my own permission slip? Of course you can. Like, yes, please do that. I just thought it would be fun to have a tool like this little teeny tiny book that you can keep in your purse um, or you can keep it on your counter and you can use it when you really need it. Because sometimes I think when we most need to give ourselves permission, 
we can feel frozen and we get in the place of like, well, I don't know what to do. So maybe I just won't do anything. Mm. I'll just freeze and I'll stay here. Or if you're afraid that whatever decision you're making is going to be the wrong one, you just don't make the decision. Mm -hmm. And that's not helpful either. That's not a place that feels comfortable either. So, you know, the, the interesting thing about giving yourself permission to go out of your comfort zone is it's probably not really comfortable where you are either. You just have to choose. Mm -hmm. You can choose staying uncomfortable, but in the same place that you're uncomfortable in or getting uncomfortable in a new place. And, um, you know, you know, you know what the same place looks like. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah so like. why not try a different, you may not know the outcome, but it might be a path towards hope, or it might be yes. a path towards a new life that you never, you never dreamed of, but, mm-hmm. but where you are is like not working very well. That's right. That's right. And I feel like when I talk to women, I think the most common word that I hear women describe their life is that they just sort of feel like dissatisfied. It's not that it's bad. They'll, they'll say stuff like, well, I mean, like I have a great life, but I just don't feel, uh, you know, I just Mm -hmm. don't feel like I have everything or I just don't feel deep joy. It's just this like low level of dissatisfaction and we can live with that. It's possible. But it's not going to go away if you just keep doing the same things. Mm-hmm. And um, it it really, I think, requires a mindset shift of what is possible and of really, again, reminding yourself that you are enough to feel joy. You are enough to feel deep satisfaction in your life. You are enough. I think sometimes we think we have to earn it. Guess what? You don't you get to have that. And I think we all, that's an innate right of all of us. And, you know, I do want to, I do want to pause and say, as a white woman, I recognize my deep privilege Mm -hmm. and that I can say that I am worthy of this and I deserve it and I can go after and get it. And not all women and not all people are in that same position as me. And I do like to point that out. And to me, that makes it even more important for me to acknowledge and at the same time honor that, you know, I, I can create that for myself. And in doing so, what does that provide for other people? Does that, you know, give me more that I can then help others? Mm -hmm. I I think it's, I think it's important to, to acknowledge that. Yes. And, Mm -hmm. and it's also, if we're working on our inner voice and our inner critic and all the experiences that we have experienced in our life that we never chose, we didn't choose how we showed up and the experiences that happened to us, but the more that we can empower ourselves to help others, like my kids, maybe the people around me, I don't mm-hmm. know, but definitely mm-hmm. my family. There's suffering there. I mean, when I think about the the inner voice, the inner critic, the inner mean girl, there's suffering that's happening. Mm-hmm. And if we can ease our suffering by doing the work around, you know, tune, turning up our inner voice, then we can affect others that in is a positive so true. way. 
That's exactly right. I really believe that we're all here for a reason. And when we are really listening to our inner voice, that is when we are dialed in to why we are here. And we may not even really know why. We may not even really be able to appreciate the impact of what we say when we're out and about or what we say to our kids or what we say to our friends or on a podcast. But when we're dialed into what our inner voice says, and that means honoring your enoughness, that means loving yourself fully all for, you know, for all of the imperfections, for everything, it, it means giving yourself grace, right? When we're dialed in, we're being who we were meant to be. And that's when we're in our sweet spot. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. you know, when we're, when we're feeling deep joy and satisfaction in our lives, we're going to be so much more open to creating something beautiful. And I don't mean literally creating, although some people do that, you know, create a book, create a picture, but also like you're creating your life that you live every day. You're creating a family. You're creating this, you know, home. Like that's a beautiful thing. And um, when we're listening to our inner voice, we're really, I think, living in the sweet spot of that. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's our birthright to yes. feel, to feel joy and and create the the life that we want and there's some really crappy things that happen to us and and then we don't often respond to ourselves very kindly mm-hmm. and and it could be just a constant 24/7 where we're just and I notice it you know mm-hmm. I notice I'm I've become aware of why am I thinking that that's terrible that's yeah. not that's not how I would talk to my kids or my husband or my friend or whatever. And there's just so much suffering. I guess for me, it's like, I want to ease that. I know what I've moved Mm -hmm. through and moving through still, you know, it will always grief will always be with me, but kind of ease that a little more grace and ease here (laughs) with the process. It's so true. I, I agree with you that suffering is not required. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we think that like, it's almost like another thing we can tick off. <laughs> okay, I really suffered. So now what, you know, did that make me worth more worthy or more deserving? No, you, you know, none of that is required um, to feel the way that you want to feel. And so I agree with you, like, the more we can be steeped in our own joy, and our own self compassion and our own grace, and all of those things, the more other people will feel that. And it will, I think it is world changing. Mm -hmm. Like that feels really big to say that, but I really believe that we change the world one person at a time. So if we're full of satisfaction and deep joy, then that affects the people around us deeply. Oh yeah. It's exponential. 100%. I mean, it's kind of a math equation you can actually do. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and you know, speaking of math, I mean, people can probably pick up on the fact that I'm pretty woo and I'm fine with that. But I also believe in science. And you know, when it comes to negative self talk, there's multiple studies about 
how our brain works. You know, you've probably heard about neural pathways. Mm -hmm. And that's like, you know, the path that your brain always takes like a, a reaction that becomes rote over time or default over time. And that's how our negative self talk can be too. And so it really takes at the beginning, especially um, this noticing and awareness, and then a willing to shift to a different path. And at first it automatically goes down the path and it's so fast that negative self-talk and then over time you start to get you know maybe halfway down the path and then you're like oh no i want to go down this path but you can really start to change that through repetition and that's what i mean by practice mm -hmm. yes and it's a it's a lifelong practice but like you 100%. said it gets easier it does it, it becomes does get a easier. habit and so you're always like Hey, I'm talking pretty good up there in my noggin. Uh -huh. That's a good job. Yeah. Yeah. That's something yeah. you can be proud of right. in your in your enoughness planner every day. <laughs> exactly. Well, so we've been talking a lot about self-care. Do you have any um, particular self-care practices? What do you do to nourish yourself? Oh, I am. I go deep with self-care. Um, like I said, my intention for this year, we're, I don't know when this is coming out, but we're recording it in December of 2021. Um, my intention was to honor my energy and flow. And so <laughs> this year, what that's looked like for me is a lot of slow mornings. And I don't always get through them guilt free yet, but I'm getting better about that. Um, movement for me is self care. I've done a lot of restorative yoga this year. I've done a lot of regular yoga. I've done um, a lot of hours on my Peloton. And it's interesting because I think in years past, it would have been hours of like sweat and hard and go, go, go. And, you know, now it's like, let me choose a ride that will feel calming to me, that will soothe me. You know, it's, it's a lot of just like stepping back and not feeling like I have to push so hard and so long in every aspect of my life. So um, I feel like that's not like a super specific thing. But for me this year, it's just been about really honoring that when I need to rest, I rest. When I need to go slow, I go slow. And trying to do all of that without feeling guilty, which I'm, I would say I'm like 67.5% successful at. <laughs> that's, that's very exact. <laughs> I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm getting there. It might be my intention for the year going forward. And um, the other practice that actually I just podcasted it podcast about on my podcast recently is the concept of doing the bare minimum, which has a lot of negative connotations. <laughs> but I am like, like going deep into that, like, how can I do the bare minimum? So instead of feeling like I have to go all or nothing, which that's sort of my MO in the past, like I go, 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 and then I can't do anything and I have to stop. And then it's hard to get going again. I lose my momentum. So what does it look like to do the bare minimum, to just get by, to not feel like I have to go 100% all of the time? And I'm really sitting a lot with that this month, especially during the holidays. You know, what does doing the bare minimum look and feel like and how can I make that bring more joy for me instead of less joy. Mm. For example, I'm not sending out Christmas cards. You know why? It brings me zero joy. <laughs> zero. And it feels like a should. 
right? Oh, and it's like hard and like, mm-hmm. you, oh, but you know what I am going to do? I'm going to bake Christmas cookies because I love that. And it brings me joy. And you know what? If anybody's listening, they hate baking. Do not do that. And you love sending out Christmas cards, do it. You know, it's all about really tuning in to the things for me that are going to bring me joy and um, help me feel the way I want to feel. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. And so we're we're actually almost out of time. But oh, do, do I get any- to hear, wait? Do I get to hear one of your self care practices though? Oh, um, one of my self care practices is I live on the coast in Oregon. Mm. Moved here about a year ago, and I love love walking on the beach. I love when I can do it barefoot. It's a little cold right now, but <laughs> I just love having my feet in the sand and and just being near water. It's really soothing for me. And just Mm. walking. I walk. I would like to walk and I have a a playlist on Spotify music um, that I just like to listen to. And it seems like that's where music is really huge for me and moving forward um, in my life and and processing my grief. So I like Mm -hmm. to revisit some of those songs, especially around this time of year. It's a tough time of year for for a lot of people. so yeah, I like to walk and, and walk on the beach. Mm, I love it. I love it. Next mm. time I'm, I'm at the beach, actually, I'm going to the beach after Christmas to spend some time with my best friend. And nice. I will think of you as I yes. walk on the beach on the East Coast, not on the West Coast. Uh, yes. Yeah. We are <laughs> three hours apart, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, do you have any final thoughts to share? And then also where can our listeners find you? Um, final thoughts. I mean, I, I would just say to everyone listening today, no matter where you are, no matter how you're feeling, no matter the length of your to-do list, that if you don't do another thing, you are enough. You are enough today and tomorrow and forever. And the more that you can tap into that and remind yourself of that, the easier it gets to remember um, as far as where you can find me, I'm on Instagram at Kelly J. Covert. That's sort of my favorite social media place to hang out. And I do um, stories and write posts there a lot. And then you can check out my website, kellycovert.com. And if you go to kellycovert.com slash books, that has both the Enoughness Planner and um, the Permission Slip Journal there. And those, um, I, I feel like I always have to have a caveat. Those are sold through Amazon, but it is mine. Like it's self-published and I'm, I'm excited to have a platform like Amazon to be able to help me get my work out into the world. So, so you're not um, sticking it to the man by not buying these specific things, you're actually sending it to the woman. So <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Oh, that's great. Well, I've, I've really enjoyed chatting with you, Kelly. Thank you Melissa, so much. Same, same. And happy holidays to you. Yes, you too. And thank you filled with gold widow podcast listeners. If you'd like to hear more conversations like this, please subscribe, review and share this podcast with others. See you next week. Take care of yourself in the meantime. Thanks for joining us this week on the Filled with Gold Widow podcast. This show is made possible by our company, Filled with Gold Self-Care Subscription Boxes for Widows. It's a box specifically created to support you with self-care in mind. Each box is filled with self-care products and resources to encourage you to deeply care for yourself during this time when you are rebuilding your life. You can find out more about the Filled with Gold subscription box at filledwithgold.org. 
And if you want a free widow self-care support guide to help you on this journey, head on over to filledwithgold.org and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode. This is Melissa Pierce, and from my heart to yours, take care of yourself.